Fueled by Temperance Spirits, Edmonton's leading non-alcoholic beverage provider. Order online for doorstep delivery. Welcome back to Game Over Edmonton, your local leader in post-game Oilers analysis. In this episode, it's fueled by Temperance Spirits, the city's leading non-alcoholic beverage provider. Visit Temperance online for a curated section of non-alcoholic options. Choose from a variety of craft beers, mocktails, wines, and spirits. Temperance isn't just a retailer. It's a community of Edmontonians who celebrate the spirit of socializing without the need for alcohol. And with Temperance Spirits online shop, ordering your favorite non-alcoholic bevies right to your door is as easy as Connor scoring the winning goal. You can find our partners at Temperance online at www.temperance-spirits.com for delivery to your door. And use the code SDPN for 10% off your order at checkout. And give them a follow on Instagram and Facebook at Temperance Spirits. The NHL season's heating up, and there's never been a better time to get in on the action. Whether you're looking to hammer home and Leon Dreisaitl anytime goal or ride the puck line with the Edmonton Oilers, our partners at Sign Up Expert want to make sure you're ready to sweat your bets with one of the best. Sign Up Expert is hooking up our listeners with one of the newest sports books available in Canada, Batano. Batano is home to some of the best odds when it comes to betting on the NHL and offers unique markets including virtual soccer and basketball. All you have to do to get started is scan that QR code on your screen or click the link in the description to register and place your first bet. If you thought Jack Campbell ending up on waivers was the best surprise of the season so far, wait until you try Batano. You heard the man. Don't walk. Run to check out Botano today. Scan that QR code or hit the link in the description below to get started. and Start sweating your bets with the best. And always remember to bet responsibly and within your means. Viewers must be 19 plus to sign up for Batano. We're so back. Oh my God, Oilers fans, we're so back. Uh, obviously, it's Dennis and Zach for game over Edmonton. Zach. Yeah. Oh my God. Did you, did you think it was over? I'm stunned. I thought it was over. I thought we were going from its back to its over. I was seconds away from tweeting out, it just doesn't feel like the Oilers have that magic this year. And Evander Kane took that personally. What a performance. He's been the he's been their best forward since the Heritage Classic. Uh it is just unreal. The performance from this guy, the performance from Knoblaw in overtime, going with the unconventional players, like Everything we saw Bouchard was unreal in the last five minutes. And this was a game where the Oilers, for the most part, didn't really show up. They were sloppy as hell. They couldn't string together two passes. They couldn't make a zone entry. Seattle's speed was giving them all sorts of trouble throughout the game. But what you know what? That's what this team needed. They needed to steal a game from jaws of defeat. They <laughs> took a game and won it that they did not deserve, and that's what they needed to do. There were so many games this year where they deserved to win, and teams were doing this to them left, right, and center. The whole All of puck a sudden, now debate. the tables have turned. Exactly. But how much can you say is puck look? Like, Evander Kane earned those three goals. Zach Hyman, credit to you, point out. Absolutely. Got that dog in him. The dog is back. It is nice. The dog is back. We have flow again. It is awesome. Dude, thinking about like up until the last five minutes of the game, it was all cracking. Like this oh, yeah. was one of those games where you look at it and you say, well, like 
this was a C grade game, right? The guys oh, were easily. They were out there, but they weren't showing up. We've talked about last year having that dog in them. There, they were not there at all. They were in the pound for the entire like fifty-five minutes of the game. But that final five minutes, Kane with the natural hat trick. Oh, oh my God! Unbelievable. Had bingo card. Who had that on their bingo card? Yeah, as much as I want to talk about overtime, I think this is a game. Uh, it's really important that we kind of run through from the top and then and then and then we'll get into you know the decisions and some plays that happened kind of midway through the third that man did they piss me off. But yeah, obviously to get into the game, Stuart Skinner starts just fifth in the row. Yanmark and Holloway are thrown on LTIR. Laval was sent down but called back up. And of course, finally, Adam Ernie was back. The I return was... of the urn. No one more excited than me to see Adam Ernie back in the Oilers lineup. Like, oh my God, the, the missing piece. This is this was the guy. But you know what? What the difference in this game early was? Uh, it was it was really interesting because I'd say three of the four first Kraken shots were pretty tough glove saves from Stu. I yeah. was really impressed with the way for the first nine minutes that might have been the most comfortable Stu seemed to me all season. He looked way more calm in the net. His movement from side to side looked better. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that plays him is his lateral movement on those high danger chances. And for the most part tonight, he was unreal, I thought, in that in that regard. So I was really happy to see. But the only chances that the Oilers were kind of getting were, you know, kind of broken up cycles from the McLeod Fogel Ryan line. Um, uh, Lavoie had a you know a chance early, but like there wasn't much going offensively at all. Hey? Excuse me, you're forgetting about Cody CC, oh, yeah. Paul Coffee Incarnate. Yes, yes. Look, here's the thing, right? Like it's so funny to see the meme of Coffee and CC like being posted on Twitter all the time on the Oilers subreddit and. He's taken it to heart because Cody CC had so many games, so many times in this game when he was just jumping up on the play. Like you were used to seeing Darnell Nurse, his his yeah. partner, right, make that type of play. CC was like, "Nah, I'm doing it myself this time." I need to know what Paul Coffey said. Did he just again? Did he just show highlights and say, "Do this"? And Cody CC was like, "Oh yeah," and then it clicked because Cody CC in the last two games has had more offensive chances than I believe he's had in the last three years in Edmonton. I do not know what's changed. We already got sixty-five people watching. I see David WMGD, Daki, Wise, Kyle, Black Mask, Kara, Sush. All the regulars are in chat. Mickinator. Everyone's talking about the comeback win. Go ahead if you haven't already. Hit like. Uh, we're just breaking down the first period currently. Thanks for joining us late on this, what is it, Wednesday night? Um, yeah, but yeah, Cody CC, man, unreal. <laughs> think about, like, literally it could be as simple as Coffee going, like, playing tape of when he was playing and going, hey, you can skate, you know? Like, you could just mm -hmm. go up the ice like this. Uh I, I had to triple check who that was on that partial break. I was so stunned. It just usually CC gets to that point and then just dumps it in and goes for the change or whatever, but he just kept going and kept going and kept creating. It was unreal. But you know what happened right after that play? It was funny. The Kraken got a two-on-one and it was actually a partial break for Yamo. And I was convinced that was ending up in the back of the net. As soon as I heard Yamo's name, that is probably the most stunning thing, more stunning than the Evander Kane natural attribute that Yamo didn't get a goal tonight on the Oilers. I was sure it was going to happen. Yamo, Larson, like Ebb. I mean, they contributed. Justin right? Schultz, Devin Shore. That team, well, Devin Shore didn't play tonight. Devin Shore didn't play. But they, I'm they, sure. they, can, they have a full, like, 50%, 33% of our former Oilers. It's kind of crazy. 
<laughs> but like honestly yeah like this game in the beginning felt like uh, you know what i'm gonna say in the beginning it was a little bit more even the kraken really took the reins of this game about i'd say like late into the first period and it didn't let up all the way until the last five minutes of the third um obviously a couple of couple of them you you don't really blame skinner for right like there was I'd the say- one the second and third one that the Kraken scored were stoppable. And at that point in the game, he actually was below expected goals, uh, below zero in terms of his expected goals. So like he would like a save there again. He was coming up big in the first period on those. That's the difference between Stuart Skinner at when he's at his best and a truly elite goalie in the NHL. Stu will have these stretches of 35 minutes where he does play really solid, but then he'll just let one in where you're like, come on, or he could have had it. But like, in all honesty, uh, on the one, 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 you know, McLeod doesn't tie up his guy and it kind of ricochets in off Jared McCann. So like, you don't blame him there. Yeah. But like the two one, the Belmar one tip off the done shot. You're just like, Stu, I, I get you got that in. Like, it's not necessarily a bad one, but if, you're, if they one. lost the game, we probably would be going at this harder. But at the end of the day, like with four minutes left also, like Stu made a really big glove save towards the end of the game too, right? Like yeah. he came up big consistently. So like, this is one of his better games of the year. I thought for the first part of the game, he was probably the most confident I've seen him so far. Uh, this is obviously his fifth start in the row. At some point, they're going to have to get Pickard in. I can't. Yeah. I, and the, the thing is, their next games are, you know, Tampa, Carolina, Florida. So it's not like they have any easy starts. Like, I'm really curious to see what they do with the goaltending moving forward because they clearly don't have tr- i mean i guess i can't say it's a new coaching staff so uh, <laughs> well, they're riding skinner so hard because yeah. and keep riding them man keep riding them if he's hot right because i i i think i like calvin pickard as a player i just he hasn't been able to contribute he's just sitting around as a backup obviously way better than playing campbell which if we want to talk about that later on we could but let's focus on the oilers game before we start talking about the condors um absolutely looking at this game so I guess when Seattle was up three one, according to Travis Sodner in the chat, the Jonas Brothers left the game, and then the Magic just took over. Yeah, the so, Jonas Brothers had to leave. <laughs> that yeah. was the secret. <laughs> absolutely. Well, absolutely. Because here's here's the situation, right? You brought it up the um the one that goes off McCann's leg. Like you you can't pin that one on Skinner. Um, the Belmar one, it's a tip. Like. It's not easy to save, but if if you could, that would have been great. That's like mm-hmm. a medium to high danger chance. And the last one when it was just Wenberg, like well, with the with all the time in the world in front of him. The, that, yeah, exactly. The the goals were were kind of. I mean, the probably the biggest brain fart on any of the goals I saw someone bringing up in chat. And it was a good point. I almost forgot about it. Was Adam Larson on the first McDavid goal just? overplayed dry sidle for some yeah. reason left mcdavid all alone he walked in back in onto court mcdavid obviously having that confidence grow each game you saw a significant there were probably more mcdavid rushes or at least attempted mcdavid rushes would be that even though seattle was able to you know fend him off or play him to the corner knock the puck off the stick like just seeing him skate like that is something we weren't seeing early in the season so 
seeing that and as you know as we go on five games from now 10 games from now as he keeps doing that he's going to get more and more effective because obviously he still is recovering from an injury Mm -hmm. so we do have to remember that even though he does he is starting to look like his otherworldly self but obviously is awesome to see uh one thing kind of that second period though we obviously we touched on the goals but there was a a couple weird things going on in the second period where they kind of just Jay Woodcroft took over for a bit and we just got McDry and the line blender came out. Yeah. And we had the Kane Hyman Nuge line and we had McDavid and Drysaddle with, oh my God, was it Fogel they were with or was it uh, they were with Gagne? No, I, I think it was with, they were with Gagne for a little bit. Yeah. It, it, the line blender was just out. It was right? weird. It, it, it was weird. It came and it went because when the yeah. third period came back after the penalty kill, they went back to the normal lines. It was just, it was just a really strange way to like. I don't know why I think it's so weird, but like you know, he came in. Novla talked about stability within the lines and whatever. And you know, two periods in, he kind of just goes for the blender, yeah. but then he goes right back and gets away from it. So I don't know what exactly the thought process was there. I don't know if he just thought, ah, you know what, it's not working. I'm going back to sticking with what happening. One well, thing that I do think wasn't working though was uh, Sam Gagne on that top line. Yeah. Um, well, no, here's I... here's the thing, right? Like Gagne had the um, shift in the first period when he was with Kane. Um, I think yeah. it was. And Kane... They got a good, you got, Kane got a good chance. Off that of was Gagne a good chance, right in front. Absolutely. And but I think that that's, that's where Gagne excels. That's where right? he excels. Where he's he's kind of digging out pucks. He's still able to make a play or two. The foot speed is really the issue, well, right? Well, well, and that, and that's why he's he's better off the cycle because he's still the yeah. smartest he ever was, right? Like he always has his his puck smarts. He's good on the cycle. He's good when he can make a read and take a second. But when you're playing on a line with Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Connor McDavid, you're gonna be playing in transition so much that you can just see there's a point where you know he can't get the puck over to Connor right away, and I think it was in the cigarette. He tries skating it. And it almost looked like I started hearing this come again, but like the bees were chasing him from behind. Like he just, he was just skating with his, all his might. And he still didn't look quite right. And he ended up going offside. Yeah. And you'd see Connor just be like, ah, whatever. But he just, I don't think he works there. I the think sp- Connor, it's Connor Brown's spot eventually. The speed. Yeah. This, well, I think yeah. that's the key, right? We're waiting for Connor Brown. It should be relatively soon. Like he's been skating a lot during the practices. Um, mm-hmm. th- there were a couple of like issues. Obviously, the Oilers. First off, too many penalties. Right, like they a lot of them got evened up, but mm-hmm. the fact that there were like three penalties that weren't evened up that crack that the Kraken actually got power plays on. Yeah, like that's an issue, and more importantly. It just kills all the momentum. Like anytime the others were starting to get a little bit of energy, a, there a penalty a just weak, killed it. There were a couple of weak power plays though for the Kraken. True. Like, like that Nugent Hopkins tripping one. Like, are you kidding me? Like yeah. there were some points. And then like later in the game, I saw Warren Fogel behind the net getting held by a Kraken player and like the crowd screaming for a call and he got nothing. And then every five seconds, Seattle, I don't know. I, I don't know why this stuck out to me so much, but I, I kept hearing Seattle players audibly on the broadcast <laughs> yelling for calls. And I was getting so irritated by it because they had gotten the benefit of the doubt so many times. The, like, 
the only one I'll totally agree with is that Adam Ernie hit that came in the third period. That like, one was bad. What is wrong with you? I, this guy, like the, the NHL needs to step in and suspend this guy for the rest of the season. <laughs> exactly. I set a message, send a message, set a precedent right now. It's not acceptable, that play, and I don't stand for that. Adam I Ernie, don't want that in hockey. He clearly targeted the head, you know, it was, oh, he left Malicious. his feet. Malicious. He was trying to take out Lou. Uh, you know what? I, like, this is unacceptable. He took it off the ice. He was going after broadcasters. It's definite suspension. Um, I'm going to have to say probably a contract nullification. Uh, it, it's simply unacceptable, and uh, the Oilers should terminate that contract. But, like... Let's be honest, right? You mentioned it. The nude tripping call was kind of like weak, a little bit of ticky tacky sort of call. The the Derek Ryan one, okay, maybe. I think that one, it, it, the refs knew. Well, the, the Derek Ryan one was one of the weirdest ones because Schultz holds the stick, propels himself on the boards. Then, when it is going to still only be Derek Ryan, Oliver Bjorkstrand from the heavens evens it up himself. Like, that's just flat out stupidity on yeah. Seattle's part. Like use your head. What are you doing? It's the NHL. You want to make the Oilers hurt? Make them hurt by scoring a power play goal on them. You you moron. I was ecstatic to see that play from him. He's kind of a dumbass to be honest with you. Like control your emotions, man. And yeah. he saved the Oilers from going down a lot by a lot more because Five, obviously three, the yeah. Ernie obviously the Ernie penalty hurt, but like the penalty kill was awesome today. I don't know how bad Seattle power play is. I don't feel, I feel like they're pretty, very quick. Like they're, again, their forwards for a long period of this time, their forecheck was super aggressive and gave the Oilers defense a ton of fits. We saw when they play a fast team like Evan Bouchard, a couple of Seattle goals were right off uh, turnovers from lost puck battles because they're just so fast and so tenacious. This is the type of team that the Oilers find themselves struggling with. And you know what? The Oilers ended up making them pay. So it was, it was pretty, it was pretty nice to see. It was pretty nice to see. And Bouchard, obviously, even later in the game, like, key on the first Kane goal almost got single-handedly got RNH to have the game RNH just missed the wide open net but Bouchard's a catalyst like what an awesome what an awesome player hey it's it's so high event and that's the that's the thing right would you rather watch a team that's like very sound defensively a New York Islanders type we we win like Let's pretend that they're winning games. We win a bunch of games by being defensively sound. It's always one nothing, two one games that we win. I would rather watch this sort of high energy, intensity, chaos hockey where it's like from one period we're we're totally even, everything's great. We're down three one. It's so jover. The season might as well be a wash, and then. After five minutes at the end of the game, you go, we're so back. The Oil This oh, is yeah. the Oilers brand of hockey. Like, uh, There's so it's much more excitement. Hockey. We, haven't, we have not had a game like this this year. I thought we were going to get this magic in the San Jose game, right? Where they get that six on four and you get Nugent Hopkins scoring the goal to bring them within close. But then they fell flat on their face and I felt. And I felt it again this game. I'm like, the magic's not there. And then something turned. Darnell Nurse saved a goal on the empty net by diving in the neutral zone. Seattle had the chance to put it away. They were inches away. They had a shot. All they had to do was put it in the empty net, and they got nothing. Darnell Nurse came up huge. It goes back the other way, right on Kane's tape. 
ties up the game, and Belmar is screaming for a penalty off the faceoff. You want to score it anyway. Shut up. You got the benefit. That's what happens when you get – that's the thing with NHL refs. You get the five penalties early on in the game. They're not calling anything later. Just stop yelling for a penalty. Get in the play. This isn't game over Seattle. I don't know why I'm getting so mad at the Seattle players, but it's just such brain-dead mistakes. Oh, man, Evander Kane was awesome tonight. Leon was awesome again tonight. Like, obviously, there were some turnovers – and stuff, but like again, the way Seattle plays defense, like they're so quick, they're really good in the neutral zone with yes. their sticks. They kind of knock the pucks off, and the that kind of was frustrating. Connor and Leon off the rush, it looked like and you know. Besides that one time, Adam Larson just abandoned him. But here's you know. the other thing, right? Like if you look at the last couple of games in this season, and we're only what twelve games in, uh, no, fifteen games in. Where if we look at the last couple of games in the season. There has been a clear defensive struggle with the Oilers, and that's on the transition, right? Like when the opposing team is coming up the ice and they got a bit of speed, the Oilers have had a ton of issues keeping it out of their net. In the last two nights, Skinner's been great. The transition offense from Seattle and New York, not as strong. So maybe it's a mix of Knobloch, maybe it's a mix of coffee, maybe it's just these two teams, whatever it might be, we got some big tests coming up, right? Like that's going to be powerful teams on this road trip, Tampa, Florida, Carolina, Washington. Totally, but yeah, we still got got to touch on overtime here, Dennis. Oh, yes. Because... The, like, the, well, still want to say one more time. There's a ton of pe- more people watching. We're up to seventy people. If you haven't hit liked already, please hit like. We really enjoy you coming, hanging out with us uh, during this game. But yeah, dude, during overtime, what were you thinking when you saw Chris Knobloch throw Evan Bouchard out with Matthias Ekholm and Leon Drysaddle? It's so weird, right? You look out there and you go, "Okay, um, I know, I know, Knobloch probably has his own way of doing things, but." This is so unconventional, it goes against the NHL coaching wisdom, right? So if you look at it and you go, okay, he's going to try his own things. Obviously, Dreisaitl and the boys, they, they're okay with it. They're like, we trust you implicitly. We're going to go with this. And it ended up paying off, right? Like, other than... In, well, what happened is Seattle gets the puck, right? And they start yeah. doing that puck ragging. They usually what teams do when they see Connor and Leon on the ice, if they win that faceoff, is they puck rag for a minute and a half until Connor and Leon tire get themselves off the out ice. and they get off the ice. Yeah. But this way, Seattle tries to attack. But because Seattle's attacking, like and there's two defensemen on the ice. For the most part, the defensive structure was really strong. They were really solid in overtime. Like, Seattle really did not get much. Like, yeah, they got they some like shots one, on the outside. One but they chances? really didn't They didn't create the type of quality of chance that we would normally see in overtime. And then Ekholm gets the puck on the boards, double-teamed by Seattle, gives it back up. I thought that was our chance. It's over. Ends up Bouchard, wizardry, the way he was dangling the puck in overtime. They get it. They're finally creating. You see them go in the offensive zone, and you see that Ekholm switched up for McDavid. Mm. And the Oilers start generating. Drysdale gets off the ice. Ryan Nugent Hopkins has a fantastic chance. I was hoping he finished it off. And then the most interesting part about all this is how, okay, we've already seen two guys. Now McDavid and Drysdale are are off the ice. So what are they going to do? Woodcroft would usually go with like a McLeod and Kane and Ekholm or something just for like 30 seconds just until a rest you period throw out a, t- um, a tired McDavid and Drysdale again because they would play you know four minutes of a five minute overtime right 
But yeah. what does he do? He does he does something wild, and I don't know how many teams have done this. He goes the no center approach, yep. puts out Zach Hyman and Evander Kane with Evan Bouchard again. Evan Bouchard dangling. Kane wins the faceoff, and they were just Seattle players were falling left and right. But they were it was like it was by the skin of their teeth, but they were still creating and they're passing and Hyman fed Kane the cross ice pass and put it in for the hat trick, and it was awesome chef's kiss but like the other thing too right if you're looking at it how often do you see the sort of board play the sort of like really hunker down and dig for pucks type of players play overtime never because there's so much open ice and there's mm -hmm. so much like room for error you usually don't have those guys out there but with kane and hyman you saw it work, right? Whenever the Kraken were able to get it into the corner, they were just dogged in there. They had the puck on their in their skates sometimes, but Kane was able to kick it out. Like there's yep. so many odd situations in this in this overtime and Noblos somehow made it work, right? The possession ever since I think like the first minute when the Kraken had a good amount of possession, after that in overtime it was pretty much all Oilers, right? They, all I don't Oilers. know. I don't know if they ever got in. Did the Kraken ever get into the Oilers zone in overtime? After after the Ekholm giveaway, they had their chance. Once the Oilers got the puck back, it did not end up back in Seattle possession. It was all Oilers. The Oilers consecutively ran out three lines <sighs> and just maintained pressure and maintained possession. Every play, like the Oilers, when it gets to like three on three situations, are just so much more skilled than every other team in the league regardless of their record up until this point like you watch evan bouchard like even you see the skill in the way that he maintained the possession mm -hmm. of, uh, in the, in the third period with the empty net when brandon tana was pressuring i don't even know what he did but man are we back like evan bouchard <laughs> I, I, might be the, it, it, I he, I think it's pretty like I think he's the third best player on the Oilers. Like just the way he he can create offensively, like he has the skill from the back end that the Oilers haven't had since Chris Pronger. Like he is he he is one of the main reasons why they won this game. More important than McDavid, I think, in this win specifically isolated. He, here's the weird thing about Bouchard, right? There are things you can rag him on him about in the first period. A lot of giveaways, a lot of cracking like pressure. You can kind of pin on Bouchard. Yeah, oh, and, totally. And at that same time, as long as Skinner's bailing him out, right? I don't know how many steak dinners Bouch has to buy Skinner, but if he's getting bailed out, the high event Bouchard on the other side of the ice pays dividends. And I think the other thing that I want to uh, quickly acknowledge too is early on in the game, Nuge had a good number of defensive plays as well. Like Nuge is, I think it's safe to say he's not going to have another hundred point season, but yeah. the reason why you still value Nugent Hopkins is even if he's not producing offensively, he's still a very sound defensive player. Well, and the penalty kill work alone tonight. The penalty worth kill his, work. Worth it. Like everything Nugent Hopkins is doing, man, to your point. Uh, Nugent Hopkins, when you saw him on the penalty kill uh, tonight specifically, obviously he got this one tripping call. He might have had two penalties actually, but um, he, I, I think Nuge killed, um, I think at least like 20, 30 seconds on two different 
penalties. And that is amazing. One of them even ended up being a, a like a um, even up call. He drew exactly. Yeah. He, his hard work on the pre- on, like moving the puck well shorthanded uh, drew the shorthanded call or drew a call for the Kraken to negate the penalty. But his work uh, shorthanded tonight was spectacular. Again, the Oilers penalty kill perfect. Again, how, like this is one thing where Jay Woodcroft, the Oilers, Jay Woodcroft Oilers, and again, it's a very <laughs> small sample size. What are you Oilers? Yeah, uh, exactly. They struggled. But so far, under Chris Nobla, I believe the penalty kill is 100%. Uh, they would have killed off eight in a row at this point. I believe yeah. the Islanders had three, and then now the Kraken had five. So The yeah, Islanders they, were were bad. Right? Ryan on the penalty but... kill looked awesome. Yeah. Uh, the Seattle, like, I, I thought the penalty kill tonight, it's... It was just, it was a little more aggressive. It reminded me more of last year, where last year they were giving up a ton, but the difference is they were first in the league in shorthanded goals. And we never really saw, we hadn't seen a shorthanded goal up until Evander Kane's empty netter last night or two nights ago. But now you starting to see that pressure, whether it's McLeod who, and, and when you are pressuring like that, you're drawing those makeup calls. Like we saw McLeod uh, last game and Nugent Hopkins this game. And I believe maybe even McLeod did again today, draw those makeup calls. Mm-hmm. And it's such a tie turner because you don't have to kill off the rest of the penalty. And then you get those, 30 or 40 seconds for yourself to put your best players on and have a chance to get yourself back in the game. Like, yeah, the Oilers, this was not a masterpiece by any means. This was Oilers hockey. They came in, they were the second best team uh, pretty much for 55 minutes of this game. And then an Evander Kane natural hat trick stole it. Oilers hockey, baby. (laughs) We're back. I know. I know it's such a hockeyism, right? But you oftentimes hear them say, you know, we got to play a full 60 minutes. We got to keep, you know, determined on the puck. We got to win when we're not on our game. We got to win when we're not playing our best game. We got to steal hockey games like this. Dude, if this is what it's like, I'm all for it. Because it mm-hmm. was so much fun watching this game. Even, even when we were down two goals. I still felt like with the the way that the Oilers were playing, even if they were getting outplayed, the hope was alive. And during the first 10 games, it was not like that no. at all. The moment were, we went down to, it was over. Absolutely. You know how we know the luck turned? And I want to credit, uh, I want to credit who brought it up in chat first because I almost forgot about it. Uh, I believe it was Black Massacre who brought it up first. But we know we haven't talked about the Oilers delayed penalty. They're trying to puck rag so they uh. get a longer power play. And Vincent DeHarnay centimeters from putting it into his own net. And you see Zach Hyman go white as a ghost, just so nervous in the penalty box, so unnecessary. Just try to puck rag. But you know what? That's how you know the luck and turn because 10 games ago, that is in the back of the Oilers. It would have went 100%. 100%. I, I love because everyone's looking at Hyman and, and they're lip reading on Hyman during that clip, right? You look at the official who's who's sitting the timekeeper. You see him just go like, ooh, he pulls that like emoji face with the stretched out teeth. Ooh, that could have been so ugly. But oh, yeah, yeah, like it wasn't a perfect game. No, but the Oilers win with their like c-rated effort exactly exactly (laughs) and that's what you need that's what you need two more points you get some more pacific division rivals start losing because they're not going to keep up the same torrid pace like the ducks lose again today the the canucks are losing to the islanders today and obviously it's not going to come you know overnight 
but I, I remember, I believe it was last season, honestly, where it was either last season or the season before, but like Vegas was in, you know, wild card eighth place or whatever. They were at 1.12 points behind the Oilers and the Oilers went on their December, you know, two and 15 stretch or whatever. And Vegas made up like 15 points in the standings. And you know what? This Oilers team is capable of doing that. If they maintain and build on this. And this is a huge confidence win. Like the, it cannot be undervalued what this type of win building on three in a row, getting that hat trick, tying it late in the game, winning in overtime, what this is going to do for the, for the confidence in that locker room going into a matinee game against Tampa. Like this is huge. So and we'll see. Look, there's, there's still a lot of concerns, right? There's still the fact that, we really don't have a confident number one goaltender, but Stuart Skinner has been good tonight. He had yep. a nine seventeen. That's good enough. That's Undefeated, great. Nine Oh seven and above undefeated yep. with a nine to nine Oh seven or above this year. And there's obviously a, a little bit of a, I, I don't know what, what to phrase it as, but the new coach bounce, right? <laughs> the, the dead blank, bounce whatever word noun you want to put in there but yeah how long will Knobloch's um invigoration of this team last because there were times when we started questioning him in this game alone game two we were already like has the the Oilers coaching virus taken hold already? Has the McDavid Drysaddle curse, like that situation, already started to infect Knobloch's brain? And he fixed it later Didn't. on in the game. Yeah, but that's still a concern too, right? Yeah, I mean, we'll see kind of what goes on. Like, I mean, he went back to the lines and they won, so I imagine he just sticks with that going forward. But like again. This isn't your normal team that fires a coach. This is not like any team that has fired their coach in the last however long. This is a team with the reigning Art Ross, Rocket Richard, another guy who's won an Art Ross. You have, what, six guys capable of scoring 30-plus goals. You have a defenseman who could easily be a point per game. The you yeah you have you know a below average goaltending for the most part in the NHL and obviously Stuart Skinner has been awesome and I hope he if he keeps this play up but like this is not a dead cat when you have the type of talent that the Oilers have this cat is very much alive they just need that one spark they just needed that um oh god how am I blanking on what's the, they just needed the defibrillator to oh. shock them back to life and now that they've been revived like they're cooking three in a row. When will they stop? I don't know. Maybe they never will. Maybe they just keep winning. Maybe they win out. If they could win, keep winning games like this where they don't deserve to necessarily win the game, but, uh, you know, obviously we're going to get better efforts from the Oilers. Like, I know Chris Nalbo is going to say, like, after last game, he said that wasn't a perfect game. I know he's going to sit here and say that this wasn't a perfect game uh, either. I know it's an afternoon game coming up, but I, I expect the Oilers to be ready to go. Again, fired your coach. This is your third game of the new coach. They're going to come out hard. Tampa hasn't been that good to start the year. I think True. it's a very winnable game again for the Oilers. And so long as we don't get that regular matinee start where they just the matinee head curse. Yeah. Like, oh, man. Last year, uh, you had to do so many matinee games. And I felt so bad. I was like 0 oh, 8. Like, I was unreal. It was just like pain, pain, pain. They blew into St. Louis. They blew into Dallas. I remember they got goalied by Scott Wedgwood last year as well. <laughs> and I did it alone. 
And there were just so many painful games. The but again, peak was the Anaheim loss at the end of November. It was yeah. like four nothing. That oh, was peak. Nothing dude. will top the San Jose game this year, though. So the, yeah, I think we've pretty. I, I God, I hope that we're not going to get anything worse than the San Jose game. But the Columbus game last year, that was awful too. Oh yeah, dude. <laughs> like I remember the one where Jack Campbell single-handedly cost them first place in the Pacific <laughs> Division. Ended up creating the second-round matchup for them against Vegas. You know, imagine Jack Campbell holds on, doesn't allow like four goals on sixteen shots. He always <laughs> hold on to beat Columbus. He always finish first. They play Winnipeg in the first round, so they don't have to get battered and bruised against LA. And it's just one of Vegas or LA they have to face before the conference finals against Dallas, who Vegas steamrolled. Uh, Vegas said Edmonton was their biggest challenge. What could have been? What could have been? But you know what? We're <laughs> we're back. We're back this year. So we'll and, see what happens. I mean, most models, like even before this game started, when the Oilers were 4-9-1, and one, whether it was Dom's model of the athletic, whether it was Money Puck, still had the Oilers at above a 55% chance of making the playoffs. Yeah. Like, which is really interesting. It's it's wild, but again, this is Oilers hockey. There's has there ever been a year that you've been an Oilers fan where you didn't go, "Oh my god, this team stinks. This team can't win a game to save their life right now." There's always those stretches. It it just sucks so bad that that yeah. happened right at the beginning of the year and ended up in in Woodcroft and Manson getting fired. Like, yeah, absolutely. Like that it just it's just a confluence. It's always there's always something. It's never it's never just easy. We never get a Vegas just roll through the season like they are right now or whatever. I mean, they've had a couple frustrating losses in a row, but uh, I mean, for the most part, yeah, this game was like a shot of adrenaline and obviously we're just getting better. The confidence just keeps growing. Uh it, it's super exciting to see how uh, if you want to do you want to want to jump into the press conference here cuz I did see a question. I do see a couple questions I want to get into on the press conference, um, but do you want to start or shall I? Because I have a question of my own as well. Well, my question here was just from Mick and Edward. It said, are the Oilers still going to trade for a goalie? Was that the one that you saw? There, There's that one, but I, I had my own question as well. But okay. let's start with that. Okay. What do you I think here? Here's the situation, that. right? If you're Ken Holland, if you're Jeff Jackson, whoever's calling the shots right now, you always try, right? If you can get a UC Soros, if you could get a Carter Hart, if you could get someone who you think is an improvement and you can do it without ruining the team, right? Without selling off wow. ridiculous amounts of assets, then you do it because that's your job. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, I think there is no just trying. Like, I think. Yes, Skinner's been great, and, and essentially what I'm hoping for here is Skinner can hold the fort, whether it's you know 10 games that they need, whether it's 20 games that they need, until they can get someone who undoubtedly can come in there and give them a, a 907 or above, essentially, is what I'm hoping for, obviously. Now, like obviously, it's going to be hard to trade for those guys. Teams don't want to give up those guys. I'm seeing anyone not named McDavid, Dressel, or Bouchard, should be available to go the other way in a deal. I like Stuart Skinner's playing good. My my biggest fear almost is that the Oilers are going to sit there and say, "Oh, we were able to keep our powder dry. We don't need to trade for a goalie <laughs> now." And they end up going in the playoffs with Skinner, who again, love him or hate him, like essentially, like he's good, but like you can't trust him in a playoff series. We saw what happened against Vegas last year. I don't want to make the same mistake. I don't want Calvin Pickard to be the backup. I want someone in there. This is the 
biggest single hand need for the Edmonton Oilers. You can't like you be, need to be prepared to give up whatever it costs. Multiple first round picks, multiple for guys drafted in the first round prospects, whether it's Holloway, Burgell, whatever. Like it should not matter. It should not matter. This is the first, second, and third greatest need on the team. There is no such thing as, oh, the Oilers just escape their own goaltending problems by, you know, Stuart Skinner getting hot. Like, it, I don't care if Stuart Skinner has a 970 for the next 20 games. You still do everything you can to acquire a legitimate starting goalie. And this is the situation from last year from Las Vegas, right? You had a guy in Logan Thompson. He goes down. You have a guy in Lerwan Boissois. He goes down. You have a third guy in Aiden Hill. And you know what? Sometimes you just can't rely on one guy getting hot at the right time and taking you all the way to the cup. It helps to have these layers, especially in the goaltending position, when, again, if you, it's a famous saying, if you don't, if you have goaltending, it's like 70% of the game. If you don't have goaltending, it's 100% of the game. So Absolutely. you have to make these calls. If you are being paid $5 million to be the GM, if you're being paid however much it is for Jeff Jackson, you got to make these calls. you got to shop around. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the one name that kind of, uh, you're kind of hearing out there now is Carter Hart. And mm-hmm. I just want to touch on that name quickly because uh, on on its surface, just the name itself looking, okay, there's a 25-year-old goalie uh, from the Edmonton area who, you know, has been re- put up really good numbers, has a really good history in his limited playoff starts. Uh, in theory, that's that's the guy. Like, that's one of the guys you absolutely target with all your assets. But, and again, I'm not saying whether he's part of this or not part of this. I Like, no one knows. But one of the reasons why anyone on that 2018 World Junior team, why no one would have, because if Carter Hart was available without anything, uh, without any, you know, cloud surrounding his name, right. a team would have traded for him with the resume that he has. Right? If he's on the market, but, yeah. But because of that 2018 World Junior suspension looming, whether it he get he was part of, took part in that or not um you don't know and you it, it's so risky to make a trade for someone and then it's going to sound like incentive and then he gets suspended for a year and i don't right? think um here's the situation i don't think philadelphia as well is going to give you a discount because of that uncertainty it it, it doesn't sound like um it doesn't sound like philly again it doesn't sound like philly's gotten as much interest on carter hart as they necessarily should for a guy with that resume right Right. like how many like if you're a team like montreal or ottawa before you sign Jonas corpus and you know that there's a 25 year old goalie on the market who can kind of grow to the age of your car is that not who you're targeting like obviously edmonton would be in is is would be interested but like there there would be so many detroit like there would be so many teams that'd be interested in carter hart but it's that cloud from the 2018 world junior team which pro- I, my guess is is just sucked all the smoke out of like out of that name like there's probably no interest like you hear the rumors oh the others talked about it this i'm sure they talked about it but at the end of the day you just can't take that risk with your team you never know when the announcement's going to come down you don't know if he was part if he wasn't part you you can't you literally can't say until the investigation is released and i just would rather keep my hands clear of that name 
That's true, but and here's the other issue too, right? The NHL is so slow. There is so incredibly slow with this investigation. It could drop it's, this year. Well, it it's the London police, year. and then there's something about an appeal I just saw. Like, we literally don't know. Like, I believe if it was up to the NHL, they would have said it in the summer just to get it over with. Because this is, I, I don't think the NHL likes this hanging over their heads, but it's the London police who are just who taken so long with the investigation. I, I saw a report that there's something that the players can now appeal, but they kind of have an idea of what happened and whatnot. And they're, it's, it's, we're on the precipice, I think, of finding out, but we don't know. We, 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 don't, we don't know. We just don't know. Um, and Zach, I mean, we're obviously not insiders, but you're right. If If guys are saying there's no action on Carter Hart, and this might be a reason why, like, I... Are you comfortable putting what might be Dreisaitl's last, you know, year, two years on that risk? Like, ugh, that's too much no. of a risk in my mind. You, you trade for him, he gets suspended. It's not worth it. Like, you know, this, you, you know, the suspension's coming to the guys who did take part. So I'm just, again, keep your hands clear. There's guys that you can acquire if you were willing to pay the price. I know we're hearing that Soros <laughs> is their franchise goaltender. Well, Yaroslav Askarov is available, and he's got a 940 in the AHL, and he's the best goalie prospect in 10 years. There's you and, know, there's a ton of guys. Even Bennington's been fantastic. Guys that don't have a no-trade clause, like, there are guys that you can get. I, I, I don't know. And if you're a team that has an asset that you're willing to part with, why on earth would you say, yeah, no, he's available? You're going to say he's locked up. He's going to be part of our team for life. We want to keep him and we want to be competitive. Like, there, there's no one out there unless you're a fool that wants to just jettison your asset. Um, one other question I wanted to get to is the bottom six. We didn't talk about them a whole lot this game, but they have not been good, right? They have a combined, what, like one goal this season so far between like uh, McLeod, Fogel, uh, Derek Ryan, Lavoie, Hamblin, Ernie, let's not yeah. count Gagne because he's had a, a lot of top six time too. Like out of those guys, they haven't been producing on the score sheet and we're kind of running low on people you can call up. There's a, a couple of guys who are out, not healthy right now. There's not a lot of cap space where you can maneuver. Like, how do you think you can fix this bottom six? Well, I mean, Connor Brown's going to come back. You're going to bump someone else into the bottom six, if not Connor Brown himself, just to get back up the speed. Not like he was at speed kind of before this, but whatever. I mean, Raphael Lavoie isn't necessarily like your prototypical fourth line player. So he's probably, he's kind of struggling uh, mm -hmm. in the role that they're asking him to do right now. You did see one rush kind of in the second period where he kind of just took it by himself and did manage to create a chance. Like he can't create alone. He needs help around him. And again, he's with, Adam Ernie, who is literally a black hole, and oh. I never want to see him play for the Edmonton Oilers again. Like when he is on the ice, the Oilers are so much worse. In the first four minutes of the game, the second and fourth time, text you guys, Seattle gets a rush in. It's like I don't even want to check the numbers for that fourth line tonight. But like it was bad. It, I, it was bad. Exactly. <laughs> like I know it was bad. You can't have Adam Ernie on your NHL roster. Not not good. Like the second you end up going back to um you know i mean even james hamblin even james hamblin like i like the guy he he puts a lot of effort he skates 
well. He just doesn't have, like, he seems to me more like a tweener, and he doesn't have that extra, like, oomph that can push him over the top to be a consistent fourth-line player in the NHL. It really sucks because I do like him and I want him to succeed. But like someone like Lane Peterson is just so much faster and yeah. even a little bit more physical that when he's healthy, I think he comes up here. He can be a fourth line center. He can be really effective. I think there's just that element that's missing. I think when you have you're missing Dylan Holloway now, who was super physical. Mm-hmm. I think he led the Oilers in hits. Uh, and he also is no slouch offensively. I mean, Snake didn't just start the year, but he scored and he was kind of coming on even more as the season progressed. But he's now out for quite a while. So yeah. it's going to be interesting to see, but they definitely have to change the element up because especially the third line will get their goals. They will come in bunches, but eventually Fogel, McLeod, and whoever's there, whether it is Holloway in the future, Derek Ryan, Sam Gagne, Connor Brown, they will create. It's that fourth line. Yeah, and I hope Matthias Yanmark never touches the ice. I see Shaden and Shaden Shaden mentioned like, it. Yanmark. I will forget Yanmark. <laughs> I will. Yeah, like, there's... It's so awful to see Holloway go down again. And again, it's a, a week-to-week, so a little bit longer-term injury. He was really tr- starting to, like, hold his own. He was bringing in... Is it week-to-week or month-to-month? Well, they so the Nobla said week to week. Uh, Gregor, I believe, said he was out for like a couple months, and he's on LTIR. So right now, it's he, he has to miss minimum ten games, or I think it's twenty four days. I want to say something like that to be on LTIR. Um, but he's he's not gonna be back for a while, so I wouldn't count on him. But I, like Shaden says, Lavoie needs a five on five play driver next. I'm like, yeah. I'd love to see Lavoie even on a line with Ryan McLeod. Like, mm-hmm. just get him a few more looks. He's a finisher. I'd love to see him on a line with me on Drysaddle, but I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon, unfortunately. But it, it you know didn't what? I think there with, is a path. Yeah, it didn't happen with Dylan Holloway. I don't think it's going to happen with Raphael Lavoie. They have to earn their time in the bottom six. And right now, it it just isn't quite clicking on the depth of this team. You're right. It comes in bunches and I'm, I'm hoping that they pick it up because can we rely on another Hyman hat trick, another Kane hat trick? McDavid and Dreisel are coming back. McDavid and Dreisel haven't had hat tricks yet this year. They're due. Uh, it's it's a hope. It's a prayer. But, you know, there's obviously things that we we can maybe overanalyze on this Oilers team, but that's why we're fans, right? This is this is Oilers hockey at its finest. I'm happy with it tonight. Zach, I hope you're happy with the game tonight. Yeah, absolutely. That was awesome to see. I'm Jack. I'm exhausted, but I'm Jack. That was super fun. Let's keep it rolling on Saturday, my friend. Let's keep it rolling. Saturday, it's the 2 p.m. matinee game in Tampa. Avery will have that show for you after the game is over. He'll be joined by Jason Adams, also known as Adams on Hockey on Twitter. If you if you don't follow his stuff, it's great. Um, let's wrap up the show. Zach, where can they find you? You can find me at ZWheel97 on Twitter. Dennis, where can they find you? at Dennis Lee Y-E-G on Twitter. I got one last presser question, and I wanted to ask it to all of you in oil country. Are we back? That's it for us tonight. Have a good night, y'all. We celebrate Northern's win. Play La Bamba, baby. Play La Bamba, baby.